welcome. This is a message from Victory Church. We trust you'll be inspired and encouraged by today's message. For the last five to six weeks, we have been looking at a subject that I entitled Forgotten God. Everyone say Forgotten God. And the reason I entitled it Forgotten God is because there's a person of the Godhead, the third person of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit, who is often overlooked. We talk about the Father, we talk about the Son, Jesus Christ, but it's the Holy Spirit who is with us here on planet Earth. The Father's in heaven, Jesus is in heaven, it's the Holy Spirit with us and He's the one we tend to forget the most. Hence why I believe as Christians, we don't live the lives that we could or should according to the Word of God. And so we've just done this series as a reminder. And uh, I must say, I'm very encouraged by the incredible testimonies of uh, changed lives and uh, supernatural breakthroughs that have taken place in people's lives. It's very, very encouraging. Uh, First week, we had a bit of an introduction to this whole series. The second week, Pete, my brother, spoke on the theology of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit is a person, not a force, that He's with us, etc., etc. Next week, we looked at the roles of the Holy Spirit. Last week, we looked at the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And today, I want to quickly look at the gifts. Everyone say gifts. The gifts of the Holy Spirit. Um, I recognize when it comes to the gifts of the Holy Spirit, there are some of you right now that are freaking out on the inside because you've had bad experiences with not supernatural people, but super spiritual weird freaks. And on behalf of those people, I want to apologize to you. I'm really, really sorry. It's, it's not what I want to talk about today. So I want you to breathe a sigh of relief. Just take a deep breath. Go, oh, thank you, Jesus. There are others of you who are saying, oh, the gifts of the Holy Spirit about time. (laughs) You'll probably be disappointed because I probably won't go where you think I'm going to go. And then there's others in this room that maybe, just maybe, haven't thought about it too much. You're either a brand new Christian and you haven't really thought about this much at all. Um, And so for you, it's just kind of a a really non-issue at this point in time. Maybe some of you have just put it in the it's too hard to comprehend category. And that's fine. And I must say that I I find certain things hard to explain because they are hard to comprehend. But can I just set you all at ease this morning? I like that. You see, I don't want a God that I can fully explain. If I can tell you everything there is to know about God, He's not God. If I can work him out, then he ain't worth following. There's got to be some wonder. There's got to be some awe-inspiring moments in our lives. There's got to be some things that we just don't get. We just don't explain. We can't explain. That's where faith comes in. And I don't want a God that I can work out. I I want a God that I don't know where his body is because he rose and he went to heaven in front of 40 odd people and it's just been an incredible uh, occasion. I, I want some of that. And so I'm not here to explain away the gifts of the Holy Spirit. There are some things I just don't get and I like it that way. Try and explain away a healing. I mean, doctors try and do that all the time and it's quite comical. 
God just wants to come and, and speak life. I mean, what you've got to understand about God is there was nothing and then he spoke and something was created. That's the kind of God we serve. And so I, I trust you put everything into perspective um, this morning. And so with that, we need help. We really do. So Holy Spirit, help me, help your people to understand something about your heart, your plan, and your purpose when it comes to the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And I ask that today in Jesus' name. Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, if you turn with me, please. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Reading from verse 1, it says this. Now about spiritual gifts, brothers. And I just want you to know that's ladies as well, okay? Men turn to a woman near you and say, he's talking to you as well. Did, somebody, did, did you actually say, he's talking to you as well? Or did you just go, mama, mama, mama? Because it just sounded to me like, oh, 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 oh. let's just pretend we're talking to keep him quiet. Oh, 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 oh. Like... Now about spiritual gifts, sisters. Boys, girls, men, women. I do not want you to be ignorant. Ignorance is not bliss. You know that when we were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led led astray by mute idols. Therefore, I tell you that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus, be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit who enlightens. It's the Holy Spirit who leads us to Christ. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given... Through the Spirit, the uh, sorry, the message of wisdom to another, the message of knowledge by the means of the same Spirit to another, faith by the same Spirit to another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit to one another, sorry, to another, miraculous powers to another, prophecy to another, distinguishing between spirits to another, speaking in different kinds of tongues and still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit and He gives them to each one just as He determines. Who's ever read that before? Do you understand it? Do you get it? Sometimes, somehow. Well, we want to look through some of these scriptures today to bring some wisdom and insight and understanding. Because one of the scriptures that amazes me and blesses me is not what I've read this morning. It's one that says of Jesus, the testimony about the life of Jesus was that he did all things well. In other words, he was a spiritual man, but he was a practical man. He was a family man. And and, and I want for us to be a well-rounded people. Not just a practical people, not just a spiritual people, but both. And so I really do trust that what I share today will help us to be more spiritually aware and that can outwork in our lives in a very practical way. Yeah. 
Amen? So, what can we learn from this portion of Scripture? The first thing is that all gifts are from God. And by all gifts, I mean not just the spiritual ones, but natural ones as well. Every gift that you have, you may not be aware of your gift yet, but you are gifted, the Bible says. God has given every one of us a gift. There are natural gifts that we have been given. It might be the gift of administration. Who here in this room would put their hand up and say, I'm administrative? You can be, we can pray for deliverance for you. I mean, that's just like a weird gift. It's just like everything will just, it's a gift. You, you, you were born that way. You didn't say, I'm going to be administrative. You just were. It just came naturally to you. Whatever comes naturally to you is what you're naturally gifted at. That's why you get some guys up here, they'll sing, and they don't get that you struggle to sing because it's just always been natural to them. They just open their mouth and, oh, unlike that. And it's just a gift. And so whether it's a gift of administration, the gift of leadership, have you ever been around a natural born leader? They're just leaders. Even as a young kid, kids just follow them. It's a gift. God gave them that gift. He apportioned the gifts as he saw fit. He said, you are just going to be a great singer without even trying. You're going to be a great leader. You're just, that's just the way you're wired. It's a gift from God. It could be the gift of hospitality. Do you have any hospitable people? Glenn is a hospitable person. Is there any others who are, would put themselves in the hospitable? Kirsty's nodding. Yes, there's plenty of people that are hospitable. Donna and Ben, hospitable. It's a gift. Others are, you know, have, to, have to work at it. I've got to remember to be hospitable. I've got to remember to invite people around my house. Others have always got people around the house. It's just a gift. Some have just a gift of generosity. It's a gift. Some might have the gift of things such as painting or dancing. Anyone got the gift of dancing? The Pentecostal two-step does not count. This doesn't count. Sorry, Glenn. Don't have it, mate. Unless you can make it a rap version. You might. And so there's these natural things. But I want to say, you know, and, and, and these gifts are given to believer and unbeliever. It's just God just gives. It's like when the rain comes, you know, it rains on the, the, the righteous and the unrighteous. It's just a natural gift and it's from God. But the Bible says here there are also things known as spiritual gifts. And these are the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And there are nine of them mentioned in this passage of Scripture. And the nine that are mentioned can be broken up into three different categories. The first one would be the inspirational gifts. And that would be prophecy, tongues, and the interpretation of tongues. Prophecy is simply the foretelling of God's intentions regarding certain matters. And so we see that on one occasion when uh, Paul was heading toward Jerusalem and a man with a prophetic gift on his life comes up to him. His name was Agabus. And uh, Agabus came up to Paul. He grabs the belt off Paul and he binds his hands. And he says, the man who owns his belt will be bound if he goes into Jerusalem. And when we read on, you see Paul did go into Jerusalem and exactly what was prophesied came to pass. How do you know if someone has a prophetic gift? What they say comes to pass. <laughs> Some people think they can say anything and that makes them a prophet. No, it doesn't. 
What made Agabus a prophet is that he said something before it happened and then later it happened. They say, wow, this guy must be a prophet. And he built up credibility in that area of gifting and then people could listen to him and acknowledge his gift as a prophet. I'm tired of people just thinking, oh, I'm a prophet and they just say stuff and nothing ever happens. You know, like me saying I'm a professional soccer player and nothing happens. It's just... And so prophecy, which is a gift of the Holy Spirit, is simply foretelling of future events. And I want us to be open to that as a church. Tongues and interpretation of tongues. Another part of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. This tongues, and again, this is a whole message in and of itself. But the tongues that are mentioned here as a gift of the Holy Spirit is the tongues when it comes to a public meeting where the, under divine inspiration, someone just speaks in a tongue and then someone else interprets what that message was for clarity for the sake of the wider body. And not everyone has that gift. But this is different than the gift of tongues that is for everybody, that is for personal edification. It's two different things. And while we want to be practical and while we don't want to weird anyone out, we want to be open to the supernatural. We don't want a church or lives that can be fully explained. And so if some of these things make you feel a little bit uncomfortable, don't just dial out. Don't just switch off. Investigate. And so they're the first three. The second three are the revelation gifts. The word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, and the discerning of spirits. The word of wisdom is God's supernatural wisdom. Who here would like more wisdom? I mean, really? Well, this is a gift. This is a gift that's available for us if we would ask God. It's a supernatural, godly wisdom. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 19 Jesus said, when you stand before the authorities, because Jesus knew that by serving and following him that the disciples would get in trouble. He says, when you get arrested, not if, when you get arrested, that must have been thinking, what? What? When did we sign up for that? And Jesus said, when you get arrested, don't worry what you say. The Holy Spirit will give you the words and he'll give you the wisdom that you need at that moment. Who wants some of that? We need the word of wisdom. We need, we need wisdom in interpreting the word of God. There's lots of truth in the word of God and we need wisdom to know when to apply this truth as opposed to when to apply that truth. The pause is not for effect. It's just I was going to say something, but I don't have time. I'm interrupting myself in my head. And so that's the word of wisdom. The word of knowledge is a supernatural knowledge. We see that in uh, John chapter 4, when Jesus is at a well with a woman. And Jesus says, go get your husband. She goes, I don't have a husband. And by word of knowledge, Jesus, you're right, you don't have a husband. In actual fact, you've had five. And the man you're now living with is not your husband, you're right. And she's going, (gasps) I mean, that's a great party trick. I mean, if we can start bringing that into our party, I mean, people are going to listen. 
I mean, I mean, this woman now is like, what? And she says this, talk about stating the obvious. She says, I perceive that you are a prophet. <laughs> and so there's this supernatural knowledge. But, but notice what I love about Jesus. He doesn't get all weird. So thus saith the Lord. Oh. He's, just, he's just operating supernaturally, but naturally. Holy Spirit speaks and he just conveys what the Holy Spirit said. And it's this supernatural knowledge. The discerning of spirits. In actual fact, I think if there's one area that's sadly lacking in Christians across the Western world is discernment. We can't seem to discern anything. We just gobble up anything. And this is a gift to be able to discern the spirits that are behind circumstances, that are behind words. In Acts chapter 16, Paul and Silas, they're on their way to prayer. Isn't it amazing? They're going to pray and this little girl, cute little girl, oh, cute, says, these are servants of the Most High God. Oh, that's cute. Nice. God bless you. Go away. That'll be fine because we're going to pray. Isn't it amazing when you go to pray, you get interrupted? You've got this little girl. She starts saying, you are servants of the Most High God. Okay, we got it. That's cool. Thank you. Appreciate it. Now go. You are servants of the Most High God. 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 They're wanting to go to pray. Now they're getting distracted. It's not just a little girl being willful. There's a spirit behind this. There's a spirit trying to stop God's people praying. And the Bible says that Paul put up with this for many days. Can you imagine a little girl? You are servants of the most high God. You are servants. It's kind of like, you know, can I have that? Can I have that? Can I have that? You know, dads, you know, you know what I'm on about, little girls? Can I have that? Can I have that? Can I have that? Can... And Paul discerning that this is not natural, this is not normal, this, this isn't just disobedience, there's something else behind. He discerns the Spirit, he casts the demon out of this girl. How is he able to do that? Because he discerned the Spirit first. I, I don't know about you, but I want more of that. We don't, we don't want to be disciplining our children when there's demonic activity involved. Imagine grabbing this girl and just smacking her bottom, thinking she's being rude. It's not going to get rid of the problem. We need discernment today, people. And the Holy Spirit wants to give us that discernment. Instead of just throwing our hands up in the air, oh, it's just too hard, the Bible expects too much, I'm just going to get on with my life, let's delve a little bit deeper. And the third area is that of the power gifts. Faith, miracles, and healing. Faith is about speaking miracles into being. We see this in Acts chapter 13, when Paul came across a man by the name of Elymas, and uh, he was just kind of um, doing the wrong thing by Paul and causing a bit of a distraction. And Paul speaks in faith. 
says you'll be blind and you'll grope around in the darkness. Now the guy's got perfect 20-20 vision. He's going, really? I mean, that takes faith. I mean, it's not like he had Coke bottle glasses and Paul says you'll be blind knowing that he'd take them off. (laughs) This guy can see, but Paul says you won't be able to see. Faith. It speaks miracles into being. We need the gift of faith in our lives today. A personal testimony, and I've got many, but this building that we are in, for me, took a gift of faith. I saw this building, and you know what? I saw something, if you're honest with yourselves, most of you did not see. And I said, this building is going to be our future home. I can see it. And we're going to be this, it's going to be here, we're going to do that. And this is what's going to happen. It's going to house this many people. And we're going to park this many cars. I can see it. I know it was a gift of faith. Because long after we'd moved in and we'd done all the hard work, Drew showed me the photos of this place the very first day we came down here. See, this gift of faith for this project, I used all up. And so I'm looking at these photos now without that same gift on my life. And I'm looking at thinking, my gosh, how do we do that? I'm like, oh my goodness. I was shocked. And I felt at that moment, God said, that's because that was a gift of faith which you used up. And now I need faith for other projects. Every ounce of that gift was poured into every ounce of this building. And when we finished, we got nothing left. And I looked at the photo, how do we do that? If I had felt like I did at the end of the project, at the beginning, this never would have happened. And people closest to me, people that you love, at different moments in the project, wavered in faith, had to stand in faith, saying, no, it's going to happen. I know the money's running out. I know they're saying this. I know that's gone over budget, but it's going to happen. It's faith. We need to be people of faith, great faith. This is not saving faith. This is a gift for certain circumstances and situations. You say, well, I've got faith. I believe in Jesus. No, that's not the faith I'm talking about. This is a gift of faith for circumstances and situations that you are presently facing right now. You need faith when you've lost a loved one to believe that it's going to work out by faith. When someone who you love is sick, you've got to have faith. Without that, we're just going to go the way of all men and just, just turn to the bottle or turn to the needle or turn to drug, whatever it is. We can turn to God and get the faith that we need. Miracles. You know what the word miracles mean? It means to make you wonder. That's what it means. And wonders make you wonder. See, I'm not here to explain everything away. I don't want a God that I can explain everything away. How did that happen? I don't know. 
But isn't it flipping awesome? We've had the privilege of praying for people that were written off by doctors and God came in. And, and, and myself, along with Pete and others who were able to pray, we found our hands were able to do more than the doctors could. But it wasn't our hands. It was a supernatural gift called the gift of miracles. And blind eyes open and deaf ears open and backs that can't be straightened have been straightened. And I could go on and on and on. Miraculous. Do you want to see some of that? And then healings, supernatural healings. It's a beggar at Gate Beautiful in Acts chapter 3, where, as Kath has already shared, it's Peter and it's John saying, we don't have money. He, he, he turns to them thinking he's going to get something. But what he's going to get isn't what he was hoping for. He wanted money, but he got much more than that. He said, we don't have money, but what we've got, we will freely give. You may not have a big home. You may not have a home. You may not have a car. You may not have a whole heap of things, but it doesn't stop you having what you've got. And every one of us who has surrendered our lives to Christ has the hope of glory on the inside of us. And I don't want us to be a people that just live as natural, mere human beings. Because here's the thing. We can grow this church by good music. We can grow this church by good communication. You can grow a church by good kids programs and God not be in any of it. And I do believe that God wants to use all of those things. But I don't want it to be void of the power of God coupling with good communication and good kids programs and good music. All those things that we do well, we do to honour God, to say thank you. But we recognise no man can save a soul but God. And so as I've already shared, I'm not here to give a full review of the whole gifts. But all gifts are from God. That being true, it should lead to thanksgiving to God for every gift that we have. Thank you, God that you've given me ability to communicate. And I have that on my life. But what you need to understand is in the natural, I was the shyest kid at school. I never ever did public speaking at school. It freaked me out. And so I stand up here and say, thank you, God. It's a miracle. I mean, me being up here is miraculous. It's awesome. And so firstly, all gifts are from God. Secondly, we are encouraged to desire the gifts of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1, it says, Follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. As I've said a number of times already, I'm not here to fully explain, but what I want to do is create a desire within you for more of God. That's what this whole series is about. It's about us having a greater hunger for the things of God and not just relying on our natural talents and our natural abilities and relying just on the doctors and relying just on the accountant and relying just on all these things. I went to our accountant, or actually Kath went to our accountant just this week, and he was saying, you know, you're at a certain age right now, you need to be starting to think of your future, you need to be able to do this, he's encouraging us to get more homes and more this and more that. And I'm like, you know what? I do believe in planning for the future, I do believe in being wise. But you know what? If I just listen to that as the voice of God for me, we're going to sadly miss out on something. 
But you know what? Without God speaking, all we've got is the accountant's voice. And I'm not saying you shouldn't do some of the things that the accountant's saying, but let it be coupled with knowing from God that this is what you ought to do. Are you following me? I, I, I think for me, this whole series was birthed out of a, a discontentment just to live a natural life. And I feel that far too many of us are far too contented in living a natural life. I want to live a supernatural life. I think back to the Old Testament when Elijah was uh, confronted with 400 prophets of Baal, uh, uh, 400 religious leaders. And they wanted to prove whose God was real. And these 400 religious leaders were dancing and prancing and shouting all day that fire would come from heaven and consume what was placed on the altar. And the more they tried, the more effort they put in, nothing happened. And I think it's like a picture of much of the church today. We work harder and we struggle and we strive and we do to try and achieve and nothing happens. And it says of Elijah, he didn't do all the stuff that all the other prophets were doing. In actual fact, he made it harder for his God. He actually said, saturate the altar with water. Let's make it really hard for God. And they saturate the altar. And, and, and uh, Elijah is not like the prophets of Baal. It's cu- they're cutting themselves. They're getting tired. And, and, and Elijah, like a, a good Christian should, he's on the sideline mocking them. <laughs> Elijah say, hey guys, shout a bit louder. Maybe your God is on the toilet and he can't hear you. Isn't that awesome? And they're getting madder and they're getting mad. And the cousins are shouting, trying harder, nothing. See, effort doesn't move the hand of God. And Elijah, with a saturated altar, just prays. Fire, come. God can do more in a moment than you can do in a lifetime. How hungry for the things of God are we? Our lives should look different than non-Christians. I believe that. If God is in you, our lives should look different. Question. When's the last time someone was amazed at your love? When was someone amazed at your peace? When was the last time someone looked at you and was amazed at the hope you had? I was amazed at Elise last Sunday night. And she led us in worship. Because what most of you didn't know is that her her son had been rushed off to hospital. And she wasn't up here trying to get peace. There was peace. I went up to her and I said, how are you doing? She said, good. And this good was like a a faith statement. I'm I'm good. I said, I know you are. I love that. It's a supernatural, something different. I want what you've got. I'll have what she's having kind of mentality. That's what we want. And so thank God for all of this. Thank God for good communication. Thank God for good music. Thank God, but come on, that's not going to help you in your workplace. We need more of God. Thirdly, the gifts of the Spirit bring unity, not division. It's the same Spirit, the same Lord, and the same God, it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 and 6. In other words, the Trinity is an incredible picture of unity. And so these gifts 
are not to divide. It's not an us and them mentality. And that's what's happened for too long in the church. We're the tongue speakers and you don't, so we're better than you. It's ridiculous. The gifts are meant to unite, not divide. And because they've divided and because Pentecostal tongue-speaking Christians think they're now better because they've got something others haven't, they've flaunted their gift, not understanding it's not your gift anyway, it's God's gift. And so it brings division, not unity. And that's not the purpose of the gifts. It's not for us to brag about and put others down. I need you to catch that. This is not a quest for us to become more pompous and more arrogant. It's to have more of God and be more grateful. And the last point is simply this, that the gifts of the Holy Spirit should build up and not tear down. For too many, prophecy has been seen as, Thus saith the Lord, you miserable thing. It's not the purpose of the gifts of God. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 3, that everyone who prophesies speaks to men for their strengthening, for their encouragement, and for their comfort. He doesn't go on to say he must use old English. He must get really weird. It's not for that. It's to encourage people. It's to be able to get a hold of a promise of God and speak that into someone's life. And so we can encourage people. We can strengthen them. We can bring hope to people just by taking a hold of something and speaking it prophetically into their lives. I don't know why so-and-so just died, but I know this, that all things work together for good. Can I pray for you? That's prophecy in measure. I'd rather that than some of the other stuff that's been done in the name of prophecy. Granted, it's low level, base entry level prophecy, but you know what? It's encouraging. It not only needs to be non-condemnatory, but also not confusing. People have used the gift of the Holy Spirit to be able to justify doing and saying anything. And Paul says this in Galatians. He says, if an angel from heaven were to come to you and say something different than I've told you, then let that angel be eternally condemned. That's strong words. Prophecy doesn't change the word of God. No matter how wonderful it sounds. And to be honest, I'm a little bit tired with what people do with the word of God. And I'm even more tired with how people are impressed with what people do with the word of God, not recognizing they've distorted it. And so our desire through this series is that as individuals, we'd start a quest for knowing more of God. I'm not preaching this to you as a man who's arrived. This has been in my heart to know more of God. I want to know more of God. And I trust that you do too. That we can be a people that love God 
and connect with Him. But that we can translate the love of God into ways that people can understand. Paul says this, I would rather you speak five intelligent words than all the other stuff you do. It's got to be clear. When God wanted to connect with humanity, if our musicians can come, that'd be great. When God wanted to connect with humanity, he clothed himself in what? Flesh. He could have come as a bright, shining light, but he came in a body of flesh. And so we don't need any more Old English. We don't need any more King James. We don't need to take a simple message like God loves you and turn it into a prophetic dream and some weird thing. So by the time you've shared it, people are saying, what? It's got to deliver the word that God has given us. Amen. You know, why, why, why? Has God chosen to do it this way? I believe that all the things that I've shared with you today are a commitment or a sign of God's commitment to us. You see, way back when God first created mankind, He created man and it was good. And He created woman and it was good. And this man and this woman lived in an incredible garden which was good. And they worked the land. And they were good stewards with what God the Father gave them. And it was an incredible picture of utopia, God's dream. God had an incredible dream for humanity. And it was working so well until, until that fateful day where the devil stuffed it all up. He convinced Adam and Eve that they could be like God through disobeying Him. And through disobeying Him, sin entered the world. And in sin entering the world, the world has been in decline and decay ever since. All of God's dream is slowly being eroded away to some degree. Even the very creation cries out in groans. And like I said last week, if global warming is actually a reality and not just a conspiracy theory, if it is a reality... It's an effect of what took place so many years ago at the fall of man. But God had a plan to redeem mankind and He sent His Son Jesus as a substitute to redeem us, to place the value back on humanity that was lost at the fall. Jesus loves us so much that He died for us that man could be restored back to God. And He didn't leave us alone. He's given us His Holy Spirit to empower us to live a supernatural life that we can talk and we can walk with our peers, but we can talk and walk differently under a supernatural empowerment that is the Holy Spirit at work in us, the hope of glory. That's what this whole series has been about. It's not, being able, it's not about mustering something up. It's not about getting you know, weird clothes or weird language or weird walk or weird talk. It's about just being. 
And through our lives being turned around, we become a shining light to those that need hope. And the weirder we make it, the blurrier it becomes. The weirder it becomes. And it distorts the picture of God's dream. God had a dream and He still has that dream. This is the end of the message. Thank you for taking the time to listen and God bless.